0: And welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and bring you back safely. I met a gnome in the woods the other day. I did. And, it wasn't one of those ones made of china or porcelain or concrete, no, it was a living, breathing gnome. It's still cold here, like really cold. This morning it was 4 degrees Fahrenheit, which is something like minus 17 degrees centigrade. I've been taking Mo for her walk in the afternoon when it's warmed up to something like 20 degrees Fahrenheit, or minus 6 degrees centigrade, that way, Mosey's tail and toes don't freeze. Also, we're staying a lot closer to home. Lionbrook Trail runs very close to our house, literally just down the road, that road being Pleasant Street. Then we hang a right or a left, past the back of the town works and into the woods, or past the front of the waterworks and into the woods. There's the back of the town sports field along one section. And if you cross over Parkside, you finally come to the hospital. But that bit's been ravaged by construction, Grumble. On the left of the trail, however, is wild, wooded land. Mo and I made our way down the trail. It seemed no one had been on the trail since the last storm. Any footprints were ours. I occasionally stopped to take a photo of the shadows on the ground, thrown by the sun through the trees, and Mo bounded about, sometimes in front of me and sometimes behind me. I like walking through fresh snow, as you can see new animal tracks. Because of the cold, there weren't too many, I have to say. I think even the squizzles were hiding in their nests of leaves up at the top of the trees. But then I saw what looked like human prints, but they had no hard edges. They weren't snowshoes, there were no tread marks. They were small. It looked like a child had walked, sleepwalked maybe, through the snow in their socks or onesie. These prints were really new. There was not even a light dusting of snow blown into them, so Mo and I followed. They seemed to have come from the woods, and they were heading to town, which was odd. There were some houses scattered in amongst the trees, small roads and all that, the snow was deep, going all the way up to Mo's legs, to her belly. She leapt a little like a deer. Coming around this rock, I saw who was making the tracks. A gnome. We have a delightful show for you today. Priya of StoryPure is going to tell the first story. And there are three things that are very, very important to Priya. And those are the environment, sustainability, and community. And all of those things come through her stories. Please enjoy. Priya.
1: Hello. Folk tales are mirrors which reveal to us human mindsets, collective thinking processes of people, their innermost feelings of fear, anxieties and joys, beautifully wrapped in culture and beliefs. Pandemic folklore is a clear-cut example of this. Here I present to you a simple and profound story from plague folklore from the Indian culture I belong to. This story is from the book Folk Tales from India, written by A.K. Ramanujan. (laughs) Long, long time ago, the disastrous disease bubonic plague was creating havoc, destruction and panic all around the world. The disease was spreading its fangs all over Asia too. One king, one king, the kind, dedicated and loving Maharaja of Kingdom Bharat, was worried. He was deeply concerned about the well-being of his people. He summoned all the priests and saints from the nook and corner of his kingdom to find ways to arrest the spread of this deadly disease. He said to the priests, Plague has come very close to the borders of our kingdom. Tell me, what should I do to save our people? The saints and priests had a discussion amongst themselves and finally the senior priest spoke. Maharaja, let's please Lord Shiva, the Almighty, by offering prayers and worshipping him. The king at once ordered special prayers to be offered in every temple and in every home. The expenses were taken care of by the palace. One week after these prayers, something happened. Night, Lord Shiva appeared before the senior priest. What do you want? he asked him. The priest was overwhelmed. This was the moment he had been waiting for all his life. He bowed down with folded hands. Then he prostrated himself full length on the ground before the god and said, "O Shiva, the destroyer of evil. You know what we want, right? Save us from the plague advancing towards our kingdom. He pleaded. Done. Your prayers have pleased me. My sacred bull, Nandi, will guard your kingdom against all evils, said Lord Shiva and vanished. Next morning, the news was conveyed to the Maharaja, who was delighted beyond words to hear this. He rewarded every priest with 25 cows and 50 bags of cowrie shells, which were used as a means of payment those days. But wait a minute. Who's this Nandi? Besides being the vehicle of Lord Shiva, Nandi, the sacred bull, is considered to be the bearer of truth and righteousness. He stood guard at the borders to ensure that plague did not step into the kingdom at all. His footsteps could be heard every night. One night as he was going on his rounds, staying guard, watching vigilantly, plague assumed a body and shape, shh, appeared before him, <laughs> threatening to enter the kingdom. Nandi lifted his trident and shouted, Go away from here. One more step, and you'll be finished. Knee laughed loudly once again. <laughs> A monstrous scuffle followed between the two powerful giant figures, which went on for days. Many hills were demolished, trees were uprooted as they fought with each other. Finally, a deal was made. It was agreed that plague would be allowed to stay for just a day and take away only one life. Just a day and take away only one life. But the next evening, a great grief shook the kingdom. People were crying and wailing. There was confusion and chaos. For not one or two, my dear friends, but 100 lives were lost. The king was terribly upset. What was going on? Huh? What's going on? He demanded an explanation from the priests. They in turn reached out to Nandi. Nandi was furious. He ran out in search of uh, plague. by the neck and thundered. Plague, you cheat. You have broken your promise. You have taken not one but 100 lives. I'll make sure that you pay for this. (laughs) Plague laughed. Oh, Nandi, I have kept my promise. I took only one life. Do you know something? The other 99, do you know how they died? They died out of fear. They had simple fever and they thought it was because of me and they died of fear. (laughs) Fear, fear, fear. I had nothing to do with it. Nandi loosened his grip and let plague go. That is the end of the story, my dear friends. Fear, fear, fear. It could be more dangerous than any disease, right? Let's remain strong and brave. Let's overcome every obstacle with courage. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you.
0: This week's fairy tale sponsor is. Wait. I don't believe this. Rachel Ann? Yes. This is the. Anyway, Terence's Sandwich Shop. Fresh made bread baked with the best natural ingredients, grown without that grumble nonsense you humans use. None of that blooming rubbish you get in your stores. Fresh, seasonable vegetables, succulent sauces, no peanut butter, yuck. You can't beat Terence's Sandwiches. Terence's Sandwich Shop. Don't go gnome without one or two because they're that blooming good yes well i never did you know that all the patrons of the podcast have special fairy tale talents you could get special fairy tale talents too and if you want a unique fairy tale ability then become a patreon and what do you get for four dollars a month there are some sweet perks and rewards, and you get a, a unique fairy tale talent. And your generous support also allows the podcast to reach bigger audiences and grow. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. To join the story supporters, go to storystorypodcast.com for more information. And if you want to make us hear a fairy tale facts about you and thank you for an episode, then become a supporter now and help us keep this podcast going. How did I know that it was a gnome? Well, it was short, wore a heavy jacket, which looked like it could have been made from squirrel fur, and a hat made of felt, which would have been tall and pointy if it hadn't flopped over quite so much. You don't see children wearing those sorts of clothes, nor do they use the kind of language that this wee gent was using. Grumble, grumble, all this blooming snow makes for hard walking, And me, grumble boots is getting grumble soggy. And this, blooming cold, well, I haven't felt it like this for a very long grumble time. I bet it's blooming colder than it grumble was back in grumble 1855. It was blooming cold. He kind of wobbled around in the snow and saw me and Mo standing not 20 feet away. His head went back and he rolled his eyes. Grumble blooming great. ''Hi,'' I said. ''Hello.'' He let out a big sigh. I moved my camera around. ''No blooming photos or I'll curse you.'' Enough said.'' I pushed my camera away, around my side. ''Where are you heading?'' ''You know that's the direction of town, right?'' ''Yes, I bloomin' do, thank you very much.'' ''Been here a lot blooming longer than you and most of these houses too.'' ''Then where are you off to?'' ''I assume from the look you gave me you don't really want to be seen.'' No, I blooming don't, but I run out of food and the squizzle's riding too high up in the trees, so I was going to pop into the Barrett house. He pointed up to where our house was, through the woods. He usually has jam, apple sauce and such out on his porch. Don Barrett is our neighbour and the street is named after his grandfather. He has a small orchard in his yard that is very old. There are many apple trees down Barrett Road, and I assume that there was once a large apple orchard here. Well, if you want, seeing as I heard you say your boots were all soggy, maybe I could carry you on my shoulders for a while, cut through the woods to Don Barrett's place. Also, instead of stealing Don's jam, well, I made a loaf of bread yesterday. It's got herbs in it and wheat. I I live across the street from Don. When we have jam, and some vegetables, and peanut butter, I would happily give some to you if that's what you want, if that's what you need. The gnome shrugged his shoulders as if he was making his coat sit better on his back. He looked at the snow around his feet and rolled his head up. I suppose. But you ain't picking me up, I'll climb up on my own. Absolutely. Moe had been creeping, pushing slowly through the snow, sniffing the air, trying to get closer to the little man. ''What do you want?'' the gnome said to Moe. Moe perked her ears even more than they were and yipped. ''Well, all right, then, come here.'' Moe pushed and leaped the final few feet to the man, and after sniffing him, licked his face and looked back over at me. ''All right, all right,'' he said when Moe turned back to lick him some more. ''That's enough now.'' He made some steps towards me and I made some steps towards him and then I bent down. He climbed up on over my camera backpack, his legs dangled from my shoulders. It reminded me of when I would carry my kids and as I stood I reached up to hold his feet. No need for that, the bag is like a chair and I can balance well enough without you holding on to me shoes like I'm a little kid. I moved my hands away and Mo and I trudged through the thick snow up through the trees towards our street. The wee man was not light. He was small and dense and was heavy. When we got close to the back of Don's house, I put the wee gents down on a boulder after brushing the snow off so his shoes wouldn't get any more soggy than they were. i will be right back. Mo and I made our way along Don's property line, across the street to my house, and got the bread. Peanut butter, veggies, an apple and some jam. Mo was happy to be back in the warmth of the house, and was not going out again. Well, maybe later, but not right then. I went back out into the trees and the little man was still there, grumbling. I handed him the paper bag holding all the food I had got for him, and he peered inside. His head popped back, eyes wide open. "Oh, thank you," grumble. "This is very bloomin nice of you." Oh no worries. Do you want me to take you back to the trail?" It would also cover up your tracks too. I suppose that would be good of you. I bent down and he jumped up on my back, nearly knocking me over. He grumbled as he got settled and I headed back down the hill. I tried to get him to talk, but gnomes are not known for being chatty. I stepped over all of his footprints and set him down on the trail. He looked up and said thank you once more. He picked up a stick and walked off into the forest, covering his trail. I could hear him as he walked off. Blooming grumble snow, blooming grumble cold. Maybe I'll visit my cousin in mumble, grumble, blooming. I didn't catch where his cousin lived. But I did wonder if this gnome would be a snowbird and begin travelling south each winter from now on. Oh wait, I didn't ask him where he kept his pot of gold. Oh bother. Well the man was gone. The next day Mo and I were walking the same path. It seemed still no one else had been walking the trail but us and the wee gent. I looked into the woods where we had come across him and saw what looked like a package of some kind. We made our way over, Mo beating me there and dancing around it. I lifted it and untied the string which held it together and inside was the jar of peanut butter and a note. It was my jar of peanut butter. And the note read, thanks for your help yesterday. I hope you find this. The rest of the food was good. The bread was okay too. But this peanut butter, it gets stuck in me mouth and teeth. You can have it back. And there was a signature underneath the writing. I think it said Terence. Now I know you've heard Richard Martin before. He's my English friend who lives in Germany and spent a lot of time in Asia. Please enjoy Richard's story.
2: Once upon a time, there was a king, and the vizier was quite a good friend. The sort of friend that the king would invite at the end of the day, and they would sit there together, drinking their wine and discussing this and discussing that. Uh, one of those philosophical points which they would sometimes discuss is What is it that makes a man happy? Now the king would, he, he would say, it's just fate, it's destiny You know, look at me, I am the king, I was born that way, so of course I'm happy And the vizier would say, no, oh, no, 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 no If a man is happy or not, depends on him if he's got it in him, he'll be happy, whatever fate gives him. Because the king wouldn't believe this at all, and they'd discuss, and they'd drink, and they discuss, and they'd drink. Until one day, one evening, they just happened to start on this old favourite discussion again. When the king said, I'll prove you are wrong. Come, let us... Disguise ourselves and we'll wander through the streets of the town and then we'll see what we see and so off they went and the king's idea was what the king always does to find a happy man and they wandered and they wandered and they wandered it took them quite a long time because you know a happy man not so many of them You're nodding your heads, you understand that. But at last they came down a street, and it was a poor street, one of the poor quarters of town. And there was a man sitting, they could see him sitting through the window, they could see him sitting there at the table with a a bottle of wine in front of him, glass in his hand and a big smile on his face. (gasps) said the king to the vizier. I reckon there we found our happy man. Let's go and see whether he really is. And they knocked and they entered. And as they were sitting there, the king, in disguise, said, Hmm, Seem to be a happy man. Is this true? He said, of course I'm happy. Of course I'm happy. Oh, tell us why. Well, look, I'm a carpenter. I make things with wood. Now, every day, I go out into the market in the morning and I say, Here I am. Someone always comes and gives me some work to do. And, you know, I get a bit of money. I've got enough to bring back, enough to give to my wife for food. I've always got a little bit left over for a bottle of wine. So of course I'm happy. See. And as the king and the vizier walked away, the vizier thinking, yeah, you see, he's got it in his own destiny, whether in his own hands, whether he's going to be happy or not the king said no I'll show you and the very next day the king gave a proclamation as kings often do in stories and he said no one may give any work to carpenters (laughs) yeah forced unemployment you see and he said, uh, vizier, vizier, we'll go back in a week and see how happy that man is. And back in a week they went. They went back in disguise. They came down the street, they saw through the window, the man sitting at a table. And on the table there was a bottle of wine in his glass, hand, a glass, and a smile on his face. Well, they... Went in, in disguise still, and the king said, Ah, glad to see you are still happy. Yeah, of course I'm happy. Ah, because we were wondering, We, we had heard that the king had given a proclamation that no one might give work to carpenters. Ah, yeah, that's no problem, no problem to me. Now, I've turned my hand to painting. I can paint anything, I can paint windows, I can paint walls, no, I go into the market and people always give me some work. And at the end of the day, I've got enough to give to my wife for food, there's always just enough left over for a bottle of wine, I'm happy. And as they went away, the vizier looked at the king and smiled. <laughs> you just wait till next week. You wait till next week, said the king, and the very next day, of course, you know what proclamation he said No work for painters, scum of the earth, and no one must give them any work. And so it was. A week later, in disguise, back they went. And what did they see? You know. <laughs> there it was, the uh, window, table, bottle of wine, glass in his hand, and a smile on his face. Well, we are delighted to see you still so happy because for some strange reason we know that the king has issued a proclamation, no work for painters, uh, and yet you're still... Yeah, of course I'm happy. Uh, You know what I've done? I have joined the king's guard. Oh, I get so much money and there's always plenty left for a bottle of wine. Right, said the... uh, um, <clears throat> Very next day, of course, what did he do? He cut the salary of a king's guard, just like that. <sighs> Week later, still in disguise, window, table, glass bottle, smile on his face. Ah. <laughs> Delighted it is. Yeah. We had heard that the king's guard no longer got very much money. Ah, no problem at all. <laughs> Do you know what I've done? The sword they give me very good. I never have to use it. What I've done, I've sold that sword. Oh, i got so much money. I've got enough money for wine for the year. <laughs> but does the king not notice that you're not carrying a sword. I never have to use a sword but remember I'm a carpenter I made a nice one of wood. I I painted it. It looks just like nobody knows. Of course going down the street afterwards the smile on the vizier's face was even larger than the one. You wait, you wait. No, no, no. I am the king, I am that man's destiny, I shall ruin his happiness. And the very next day, the king, sitting on his throne, he commanded the prisoner to be brought up from the dungeons, a prisoner who'd been sentenced to death and said, now is the time for execution. I shall have it done here. Ah, uh, yes. One of my guards will come and uh, cut off your head right now. (laughs) You! Come, draw your sword and execute the man. And of course, you know who he was pointing to. (laughs) Who came up and said, Very well, your majesty, I shall... But, your majesty, let us remember uh, that we are only human. Our judgment, royal though it may be, is always perhaps a little at fault. And only Allah himself knows whether this man is really innocent or really guilty. Uh, I cannot kill an innocent man, but I shall draw my sword. And if Allah knows the man is not guilty, why? I pray to Allah, may my sword be turned into wood. the man's innocence was proved. And you also know how it was that the king realised that is what makes a man happy or not. And so it was, the rest of his life, he had two viziers to advise him. Thank you very much.
0: hope you enjoyed listening to priya and to richard show the love find their work online and tell them you heard them on this podcast and want to hear them tell more stories find opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling whether it's in person or virtual there are wonderful tellers out there go and find your favorite storytellers from story story podcast and discover what they can bring to your home did you know you can connect with the podcast and see the fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast, or you can connect with me, Simon M. Brooks, on Instagram, and also check out hashtag In the Woods with Mo, and on Facebook and my website at Simon Brooks Storyteller. Diamond Scree, yep, that's me, the English fella and storyteller and please do let us know the favorite story you have heard or favorite stories of your childhood who knows maybe you'll hear them here on this podcast soon the inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from the inspiration for the true fairy tale came from the music is by Poddington bear this podcast is made possible by patrons like you consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies, or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You'll hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket,
1: was her baby And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.